You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Welcome to Communication Mixdown, I'm Rima Rattan. Today we're looking at how local news in rural and regional areas is faring. Local newspapers are a dying breed and the coronavirus pandemic has not helped their fortunes. But does that matter and why? To examine this question, I talked to Lisa Miller, Professor of Digital Communication at RMIT, who specialises in journalism. And to highlight some of the issues involved, I have a case study from a small newspaper in northern Tasmania. But first, let's hear what Professor Miller has to say about the state of rural and regional journalism in Australia more broadly. I spoke to Lisa late last week and started by asking her about her research. My work's really concerned with communities on the periphery so and, and their relationship to news media. So that's geographic. So I look at local news and particularly rural and remote communities and, and their use of news media. I also do quite a lot of work around Indigenous people in the media and I'm interested also in matters of social justice and how they play out in media beyond metropolitan areas really. What is the state of journalism in Australia's rural areas? It's hard to generalise because it's so big and so that's one thing that people don't generally think about in the cities is just how many particularly newspapers there are out there and they have very different business models so some are owned by families that have had them for many years. News Corporation owns a lot of them. Fairfax Media used to own a lot of them but now that company's changed and it's called Australian Community Media but it's a very big group. Obviously the effects of COVID-19 have been on, on on country newspapers and local and suburban papers is something that's been discussed quite a lot in in the media and and by politicians and policymakers. So things weren't all that great for a lot of these smaller newspapers before COVID-19 came along. But we know that more than 200 local and suburban newspapers across the country had either permanently or temporarily closed last year or that they'd shifted to digital only platforms. And so, you know, it was a a terrible tsunami because obviously with so many businesses affected by COVID-19, they weren't advertising. And so many of these newspapers just suddenly found they had not very much revenue. It was very difficult to operate in lockdown situations. So there weren't the community events and things for journalists to go out and report on like they normally would have been. So it was a very challenging time. And I, I don't really think we're out of that yet. It's interesting that you mentioned actually that a lot of um, newspapers have gone online only. That is that a is it is that a problem for the state of Australia's NBN? You know, in terms of people accessing news. Well, it's interesting. So the national survey that we've just done in conjunction with the Country Press Association of Australia, which is the peak body that represents the independently owned small newspapers across the country, is interesting because the problem that 
audiences identify according to our survey isn't so much that they don't have good internet connectivity it's that they really prefer the printed products like overwhelmingly people have told us through that survey that they are committed to print they want the paper in print maybe that's because a lot of people that take those newspapers are older people who maybe don't have such strong digital skills so i think when we looked you know decade by decade according to age obviously you know or it, it seems logical that the younger people that responded to the survey were more likely to have a digital subscription or be keen on getting their local news in that format and as people get older they preferred print but saying that you know the average age I think of the people doing the survey was early 60s most people are going to be around for a long time and they're really welded onto print is, is there anything particular about the role and significance of regional and rural newspapers that we should note? Well, it's kind of paradoxical that we're, isn't it, that we're living in this infodemic, I think the World Health Organization called it last year, you know, there's just so much news and information out there, you know, we can know so much, we can look at news from any part of the world, it's for most of us, if we have a smartphone or a computer or whatever, it's at our fingertips but the paradox is that we're starting to see these news deserts developing in some regional and remote areas in Australia in the US in lots of parts of the world and that the news that's closest to us and about our own community can be the hardest news to actually find or be provided or is the most fragile in a way I just think it's a real paradox why is that Well, I think, you know, national events in Australia, you know, national events, um, state-based events, international news, major sport, finance, you know, we think of some of the categories of of news, you you can find that information. So I might be in where I am, I'm in in Ballarat, Victoria, but, um, you know, if I want to know about some kind of like business thing that's happening in, in Victoria, I've got the age, I've got ABC, I've got all sorts of different places I can go to find out what's happening even at a state level or a national level or an international level. But if I want to know what's happening in my own chamber of commerce in Ballarat, I'm depending on journalists and bloggers and anyone in my local area that's providing news and information about that. And so if the local newspaper disappears, there's not a lot of other news outlets at the local level that can provide that. So as many people that listen to commercial radio would know in regional Australia, they do a really good job of connecting the community and talking about events that are on, but they might not do such a great job of things like covering local courts or letting us know what's happening in our local council. And that has real consequences for democracy and just for the civic life of our communities. So when that kind of news isn't available, it affects us all at a local level. You mentioned that you've done a survey. What what did you find people want from rural and regional newspapers? It surprised us because, you know, we see one of them in our research, one of the key roles that local newspapers playing is in this kind of like being a community connector, a community champion, bringing people together literally on the same page helping to build that sense of belonging in place. And I would still say that that is an important role that they play. But people overwhelmingly wanted more journalism that held people to account at the local level. 
So they wanted more investigative journalism. They wanted more court reporting. They wanted in the qualitative or uh, responses, you know, in the little box where people can add a, add a comment, people were saying, you know, it's really important. We want, we want our local newspaper to be calling out scams, sensitive to corruption, warning people in the community about things that might endanger them. I guess that might mean their finances or... Yeah, I don't know, like voting for a shonky person on the local council. We were quite surprised that there was such a strong appetite for what we would see as very traditional kind of role for journalism as the watchdog on behalf of the local community. Some of the other interesting things, we asked questions about whether policies affecting local newspapers would influence the way that people voted in the federal election. Overwhelmingly, people said that they would, it would. And the other thing on a policy kind of level that was interesting was that people indicated that audiences should have more of a say in the kinds of policies that shape the local news sector. So at the moment, there's, you know, think tanks like the Public Interest Journalism Initiative that has a voice to government. There are the obviously the media companies that are always lobbying government to, to have policies that they think will help them to survive and thrive in the digital era. But yeah, audiences said, no, we, we should be consulted too about the kinds of policies and how government might be supporting or investing in our sector. How can small regional papers fulfil that role of, of, of watchdog, given the vagaries of, I guess, funding streams? It's a challenge right across journalism and has been for some years now. You know, people talk about the crisis of journalism and we've got shrinking newsrooms and shrinking editorial budgets because the advertising model that these newspapers have all relied on as well is, I think, now widely seen to be broken. And so it is a real challenge. I think often it comes down to individual journalists having an incredible passion and dedication to what they do. And so they, they work really hard. They get They literally get on their bikes. They work out of hours. They are so committed to the communities that they serve and they do that job and I think their news organisations support them as best as they can. There are now some other kinds of funding models to support people, so things like the Judith Nielsen Foundation or Philanthropic Organisation. Yeah, they provide Yeah, J and I. Yeah, they'll they'll provide um, uh, funding or they have funding available to support journalists doing public interest, what we'd call public interest journalism so people can apply to get some funding to support things there and I guess um, for a lot of local papers those routine tried and true rounds like covering councils and covering courts that's where a lot of those stories you know that watchdog role those stories are generated from. There isn't Um, an appetite for that kind of journalism though it just seems kind of dry on the face of it right? It does but our, our audience survey tells us that people do think that that's an important role that the newspaper plays in their community. And sometimes those can end up being the biggest stories, I guess, if there's an incredible scandal, you know, and the, I don't know, the uh, here in Ballarat, you know, we've just had our whole council's just been through this big moment of truth about the way things have been running and big cultural problems in the council that are seeing a whole kind of shift now. And And the local newspaper's been very important in leading the discussion in the community about the problems with the council and what needs to happen to make it a better, serve the population better, but also really importantly to make it a better place to work when local government is quite a big employer in regional and rural Australia or places like Ballarat. So, yeah, I mean, we can think that stuff's dry, but it can also be the juiciest stuff. 
There are many ways that you can keep up to date with 3CR news, events and programs. With Facebook stripping content, it's a timely reminder to focus on the communication channels and platforms that the community controls. The 3CR website is a great spot to catch all your shows via audio on demand or scroll through our range of podcasts. It's also where you can sign up to our monthly newsletter, buy yourself a new t-shirt or check out archival audio from past broadcasts. Of course, we're also on Twitter at 3CR and Instagram at 3CR Melbourne. But don't forget our mighty AM band. Catch us anytime on 855 AM. Keep in touch. 3cr.org.au You're listening to Communication Mixdown and I'm talking to Professor Lisa Miller about the state of local journalism in rural and regional Australia. In late January, I visited the historic village of Westbury in northern Tasmania to talk to local residents about the Tasmanian government's plans to build a prison within its vicinity. A number of people I spoke to there highlighted the council's seemingly fraught relationship with the local newspaper, the Meander Valley Gazette. The Gazette is a free, independent community newspaper and also the only such publication within its local government area, which has an estimated population of 20,000. The paper has a print run of about 9,500, most of which is delivered to households for free. When I interviewed the mayor and the general manager of the council about the planned prison on February 2nd, I also asked them about their relationship with the Meander Valley Gazette. In particular, I questioned their decision early in the pandemic to stop paying the paper to publish two pages of council notices. The council had been doing this since the paper was founded in 2014. You're about to hear what Mayor Wayne Johnston, followed by John Jordan, the general manager of the Meander Valley Council, told me. The GM came in, uh, we did employment, uh, the GM's just been here 12 months. And part of the remit for the GM was to look at the structure of the Meander Valley Council, mm-hmm. uh, to look at, with fresh set of eyes, where Meander Valley Council spend their money, where we can save money. Mm-hmm. Uh, and on that basis, the GM has looked at, at everything, and that includes uh, where we advertise, how we advertise, uh, where's the best value for money. So I'll throw it at you now, but I'll just give you some context yeah, so, there. Yeah, so I had a, a brief to, to do all of the above. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I came in and I asked the Meander Valley Gazette for a proposal uh, that uh, determined the, the value of the advertising for council in terms of circulation, all of the usual stuff. So it was $2,000 you were paying for that? Uh, sorry? It was $2,000. Roughly about that yes. each month. And so I spoke to, to Liz, the editor, and uh, Liz and I had a, and they pro- presented a proposal to council. Mm-hmm. Uh, indicating that this was their value proposition in terms of the, the advertising and what they could offer, yes. just like I would do with any other company. Yeah. Uh, we had a meeting and discussed that. Um, and uh, you know, the, one of the value propositions for council is um, advertising in the middle of um, uh, some fairly inaccurate and, and at times hostile reporting and certainly biased reporting. And I can say that because I came into the into the uh, the area and looked at it with fresh eyes and went back through a range of publications. And I think there is, um, if I look at it objectively, 
there is a level of apprehended bias in some of the reporting and certainly inaccuracy in that reporting. Can you, can you point me to that? Can I email you for some evidence of that? Uh, is that right? You, yeah. can, you can yeah. take it up directly with uh, Liz as well, but I'm sure, happy to provide you with letters to the editor on the last three months in a row. Yes. Where we've, yeah, we've asked for corrections yeah. uh, of factually wrong reporting about council staff in terms of salary, their qualifications and the the Gazette has refused to retract that. Yes. So, yes. jumping back to, um, let's say, March, April, yes. we, I, I had a discussion in a business way with the Gazette. Yes. And, and this is before the bias report? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, but uh, yes, and, yes and no. Yes. Uh, and the value proposition is simple for, for an, any advertiser yes. would not put an ad in either side in the middle of hostile reporting mm. and at that stage there was an issue as a qu simple question with all the prison sort of advocacy that was happening on the Gazette side and it was one-sided um, is it the right space for council to be advertising in? and that's nothing to do but with you're not advertising yeah you just put it no, we're, we're, no we are paid advertising that two thousand dollars is paid advertising we are no different to any other advertiser. And as a business, we make a decision as to how effective that advertising is. It then became a question of, okay, what else, to Wayne's point, what else we could do and whether we could get value for money uh, in different ways. And the circulation uh, of the Gazette and who was reading the Gazette came into to, to play and Liz had provided that information. Mm -hmm. So it was a business decision in the first instance. Then came COVID, and when we shut down, the simple reality was there was nothing to tell the community beyond our support package, and we opted rather than uh, a Meander Valley Gazette when everyone was in lockdown and restricted and those sort of things, we put up um, information stands just like the one you see out there with the annual People reports. Inside, I mean, you think the Meander Valley Gazette online would be much more accessible than information stands in public? No, not necessarily in terms of our demographic and elderly population and everything else. So, okay, and remote communities that do not have reliable internet. Mm -hmm. So we're quite a unique yes, circumstance. Quite, we're not yes, quite rural. Yeah. Quite rural. And so those assumptions don't hold water. Mm -hmm. And the reality was, even if we were advertising in the Examiner or the Gazette or anywhere else, there was nothing at that stage to advertise other than our COVID package, which we did advertise in the Gazette as a full page um, advertisement. You so we compelled to do some public health messaging or anything like that? Well that was the messaging mm -hmm. th at the time and council was like every other organisation contracting mm -hmm. its services in response to COVID. We had staff working from home, we had staff on leave etc etc. So the reality was during that middle of the year yeah. apart from our COVID support package which we advertised in the Gazette, there was nothing to advertise because yeah. council, all our events programs, our community programs that we would normally promote were suspended. Yeah. And so now we've moved forward with uh, a decision uh, in a business sense that we will create our own uh, newsletter. Yes. And we've issued the first one of those, mm. and we've issued a, a second online version of that, and will evolve to an online version with a complimentary hard copy 
in these stands in the rural the rural thing. So the it's about the, the value proposition. Sure, and, yeah. and that starting our newsletter and then printing it and sending it to people who are in isolated areas would seem to me considerably more costly than two thousand dollars a month. No, in fact, it's actually cheaper. Yeah. So okay. we will the the value scenario is probably it's about let's say twenty odd thousand dollars a year for the Gazette advertising historically. We'll probably pull up at about fourteen grand. Okay. Is okay. it possible for me to see that business case? No. That was the General Manager of Meander Valley Council, John Jordan, responding to some of my questions about the Council breaking the long-standing custom of publishing notices in the area's only community newspaper. You can catch up on the developments since that interview in early February by downloading a free copy of the March edition of Meander Valley Gazette from the shop on the newspaper's website. I told Professor Miller about the response you heard and asked for her thoughts to highlight some of the unique issues faced by community newspapers in rural and regional areas. Local newspapers like to represent themselves as being completely independent, or newspapers do, the media does, of being completely independent of government. But local government is mandated to make public announcements about tenders, about business, about jobs. And it's like a silent subsidy to the newspaper that they have these quite large, sometimes, budgets for advertising their business through the local newspaper. It's like a subsidy. And a lot of smaller newspapers, especially the really small ones, they really rely on it. They really rely on that money. And so that's a powerful thing to take away. It's I'm surprised that they would do that. What was interesting was that he directly, he said one of the value propositions for the council was that why would we as an advertiser put messages amidst negative coverage? And that to me seems a problematic understanding of the role of newspapers. Well, it's problematic also about the the local council because as far as I know, governments are not businesses yet. I know we live in a neoliberal world, but it's local government and these are taxpayer funds and ratepayer funds and they have an obligation to ratepayers and citizens to make their business known. Any business, he said, would not advertise in a hostile environment. Well, I think that governments are slightly different to that. I mean, federal governments and state governments are required to publish notices as well and they do so in the Sydney Morning Herald or The Age and or The Australian and as we all know they could be you know have a cartoon on the opinion page making huge fun of them and screaming headlines across the front page of the paper being critical of the government or the yeah so uh, you know it's a tricky relationship between government and the media it's very necessary to our democracy so I think that governments are in a different category to say businesses, you know, commercial enterprises when it comes to advertising and their relationship with the paper. Do you think in particular in regional and rural areas that's that's an issue because they have less funding, those papers, they're generally smaller and councils are bigger entities in those small worlds almost than other levels of government are for a newspaper in in a city? That's right. They are much. They are much smaller. And um, I'm just going back to my survey because you said that the council thought that they could just make their own newsletter, and that what did you say it would be fourteen thousand dollars as opposed to the twenty thousand dollars that they spend on the advertising? Yeah, on the advertising. We asked our um, survey 
respondents were in the digital universe, so online, where they would go for local news, where they would go to find out about things in their community. And I just wanted to read this out to you. In analysing several responses to digital news engagement, audiences indicated that in the big wide world of the web, the local newspaper stands out like a beacon for local news, and they would go searching for the local masthead online as the first port of call for such information. And we asked them, would you go to Google? Would you go to the local council website looking for information? And overwhelmingly, they said, no, we'd look for our local newspaper. Do you think that in a way that sort of implies that there's a special relationship, that, that there is some sort of a responsibility that local councils have to ensure a healthy sort of media environment within their local council areas, especially in rural and regional areas? Well, I think a commitment to the relationship, even though for most councils, I'm sure if you went and spoke to mayors or chief executives of, or even the media team from councils all over Australia, they'd be saying, oh, you know, the local journalists, you know, it can be so, it's such a difficult relationship. And if you went and talked to the journalists, they'd be saying, oh, the council, they always want to talk to us when they're opening a new childcare centre or putting some more money into the library. But if we go to them with a thorny question, they avoid us, they shut us down, they don't you know this is the relationship you know it's a difficult dance that they do but I think that when you have a good local newspaper and good people working in council they realize that while it might be difficult or uncomfortable the relationship between the two is of real value to the community that the council relies on the newspaper to let people in the community know what the issues are and what they are doing and for the newspaper that listens into the community to be a really good barometer for the council to see well what are people talking about what's going on in our community where do we need to get involved you know and then we have the newspaper in a sense holding council to account that councillors are delivering on their on the agendas that they went to the people asking to be elected that's a very traditional role of the newspaper it shouldn't surprise councils that that's the case what is your prognosis for the future of journalism in regional and rural australia oh look i don't think that the future is all bleak i think that local newspapers will continue to exist i think that what we've seen in the last 12 months has been a quickening of the move to online and in some cases online only i'm sure that that will continue but the very strong demand print I think means that many of these publications will continue to provide a printed product as well. I don't think it's going to be easy. I think there's a lot more work to be done on the policy and business side of things. So as in funding is probably up to a range of different stakeholders from people that buy the paper, local businesses that advertise, things like local government through those silent subsidies for their mandated advertising. We've had the federal government and state government here in Victoria topping up budgets and providing money for local newspapers to innovate and to remain relevant and to build their businesses to be sustainable for the long term. I think on a policy level, it's probably very much the same. I think it's interesting that audiences have told us that they want buy-in and they want to be consulted about policies affecting their local newspaper. The federal government clearly accepts that it does have a role. I think Paul Fletcher as the communications minister has um, engaged quite well over the last 12 to 18 months and maybe before that with these issues about providing you know a good quality of news to people beyond cities i think state governments local governments 
I think philanthropics and I think you know we've had the platforms inquiry and the government's move to make the platforms pay for news and that's a whole nother conversation they also have a role to play one of the country press association's concerns is that 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 new ruling around the platforms doesn't include publications with very small circulations or small budgets and I'm not sure about the paper that you're looking at, but I would think it possibly falls into that category. And so they probably don't have the turnover. I think it's 150, 150,000 a year. So that's an issue. And it's an issue for startups. So in areas where there isn't a local paper or where the local newspaper is closed down. That was Professor of Digital Communication, Lisa Miller, talking to me about the state of journalism in rural and regional areas. You also heard an extract from an interview I did in early February with Meander Valley Council General Manager John Jordan and Mayor Wayne Johnston. You can learn more about the Tasmanian government's plan to build a prison near Westbury by navigating to the Monday Breakfast Show from April 26 on 3CR's website. It's the last half hour of the programme. That's all we have time for, I'm afraid. Regular listeners will know that we usually end with a song, and I was going to play A Day in the Life by the Beatles, but our time is up, so you'll have to make do with this morsel. Good night. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.